Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the main event. Not okay. I can't do it. That's the best I can do. It's the best you're going to get. Pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are lucky enough to have our good friend Zach Schaefer back. From most of y'all know him from Two Dollar Late Food, but if you listen, he also does have, which we have talked about, a wrestling podcast with his friend Paul London called Territory Marks, where they talk about wrestling and interview people, which is also amazing. And specifically, they got to they've already talked about this movie and got to interview the writer director of the movie, The Iron Claw. We knew that when this trailer came out, we needed to have them on because who better to have on than two gentlemen that both one wrestles, the other one has a love for it. Yeah. See, it's like, <laughs> I know it's like another show. It's like um, you listen. Yeah. Almost like you listen. Yeah. And so we had to have them on. And because I know Patrick like loves wrestling. is a fan of wrestling. I haven't watched wrestling in 30, 35 years, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. It just means it's been a hot minute since I've watched it. But this is going to be a fun episode. I will go ahead and let everybody know we may end up. I, I want to go ahead and say we'll probably have some spoilers. So if you wish to not be spoiled about certain plot points and things that occur in the movie, then I would highly recommend going and watch the, watching the movie and then coming back and listening to this episode and then immediately go over and listen to the three episodes of Territory Marks has on the about this family and about the iron claw especially so without further ado good evening patrick good evening zach welcome y'all can talk now hey i'm happy <laughs> to be here thanks guys i yep. i'm so it's been a while and mm. but 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 hap, mm-hmm. it's an honor to be on your show to Maybe. talk about a movie and family and wrestling uh lineage that is really near and dear to my heart uh, paul obviously paul london would like to be on, but couldn't. He has a, an academy called Kayfabe Academy that he's starting up in Southern California, a wrestling school, and he's deep in the throes of, you know, literally looking for the next David Von Erich, Kevin Von Erich, Carrie Von Erich. Doubt he's going to find anybody like that, but you never know. Never know. So as you know, when Dustin and I recorded last month, anytime Patrick's not able to make it, we always say he's on location. Oh so, yeah, there we go. Pulse on go. location. Pulse on location. Literally. <laughs> so I love it's interesting <laughs> though that you said you haven't watched wrestling in 35 years. And Patrick, you are an avid wrestling fan. Patrick, do you how how far back do you go with your wrestling roots? So <clears throat> I did miss I do have gaps where I haven't watched, but I started like mid late 80s. Cool. You know, yeah. And I definitely watched during the 90s, the Monday Night Raw, Nitro. The wars, the, you know, the ratings wars and all that. I watched during that time, but I guess around early two thousands, I kind of, kind of stopped watching. And but I kept up with it because you know YouTube, and then I played the wrestling games, so I was aware of everybody that's in that that was on the rosters, even though I didn't know all the storylines. But I try to keep up with it through YouTube, just watching cool. highlights and things of that nature. So 
But here lately, I've been watching a lot of pay-per-views, and every once in a while, I catch a Raw or SmackDown. I haven't really gotten too much into AEW. Yeah. Um, but I watched a few. Like I, I, I was, I was kind of, I was close to really just being consistent with watching it to catch up. But just you know, I guess my my interest isn't as strong as it used to be for wrestling and sports entertainment. I feel you, man. I haven't. I don't really watch the current product all that much. I watch the pay per views with my son, the WWE ones. But you guys living in, you know, Tennessee, not too far from Memphis, a yeah. hotbed of eighties, well, seventies and eighties yeah. wrestling with Jerry Lawler and uh, mm-hmm. Memphis wrestling was huge back in the day. So funny enough. So I was watching this movie and. So we went, we moved from uh, my dad got transferred when he was working for Yellow Freight. He got transferred from Kansas City to Dallas, and oh. we so we moved to Dallas summer of '84. Wow! And then I lived there all the way up till '91, and I remember watching what I believe to be the this wrestling on a TV on a black and white TV because. That was the one we had in a room that wasn't the main living room one. Cause you know, right. it's the eighties. Not everybody had a TV in their living room. It's like, well, right. what's your parent? <laughs> what is your parents rich or something? No. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. If you had a color TV, yeah, yeah. that was a big deal. So um, you're watching world-class yeah, championship wrestling, yeah, I, WCCW. I, I, I seriously feel like I was like, Probably. I, I keep like, I don't. Yeah. And I remember watching Jerry Lawler wrestle too. Cause I'm, I like definitely remember that. So there is a very good chance I probably did watch at least one of the Von Erichs probably wrestle at some point. I'm like sure it'd be hard it'd be hard pressed not to, but my my memory on that wrestling is kind of hazy at them. You know, it's kind of hazy, but Right. So here's my question though. What who introduced you all to wrestling? Like who who's the ones like, hey, you should sit down and watch this? Patrick. I think I just kind of stumbled on it because I used to yeah. have uh, some shows on the USA Network back in the day. Mm-hmm. Just I think it was like Sundays or Saturday morning, just mm-hmm. quick little shows with quick matches. And that's what I did. I just watched it on the weekends and then just gradually got into it as time went on. I remember playing the old games on the NES WrestleMania game with Hulk Hogan on the cover. Oh, yeah. And then it's good stuff. The cartoon they had out with them, you know, the rock and uh, wrestling. That's it. Yes. I had yep. a few of like the thumb wrestles, like the literal wrestle where you put your thumb into it. Mm-hmm. I wish I still had those. Yeah, I still have right. I still have those. Yeah. Hey, that's cool. But yeah, I mean it I mean, I never got to go like my lifetime, I've only gone to one live wrestling event and that was a Monday Night Raw back in ninety eight or ninety nine. So Okay. That's been forever. <laughs> and because I think that night the rock got into it with one of the fans as he was leaving. It was like kind of after the taping. And oh, everything. wow. Yeah. And it was interesting, but, but yeah, I kind of just stumbled on it myself. Nobody really said, Hey, watch this. I was just watching TV and it was on wow. and yeah. That's wild. I, I was, so I grew up in Detroit first eight years of my life. And mm-hmm. in, I don't know, maybe 82 or 83 when is when my mom well, Dick the Bruiser was a was a local wrestler who worked for I think Big Time Wrestling, which was which okay. is a territory in Detroit or the Midwest, and he was an on air DJ for the local radio station there. And I would listen to him every morning when my dad would drive me to school or my mom would. And 
my mom revealed to me that her PE teacher was George the Animal Steel, you know, and for those that don't know, George the Animal Steel was this big, uh, heavy set guy with a, you know, wrestled shirtless, but had like a super hairy body and had a green tongue and kind of had like a monster gimmick sort of thing, maniac. And I'm like, that's, that's your PE coach, you know, or, and and then the silver dome in, in 83, I believe it was 83 or 84 was when, no, no, we're going a little bit later. Uh, WrestleMania three was in the silver dome in Pontiac, Michigan. And I remember that being a huge deal. And that's when I started getting into wrestling. I didn't watch the pay-per-view. I I ended up getting it on VHS and it was hooked immediately from that moment on. And then when I moved out to California, that's when we got like the cable feeds from ESPN. So I would watch world class and AWA and all these other territories back in the day. Okay. So my grandfather's the one that got me on my mom's side. And like most things, he was like influential in a lot of areas of my life. And one of them was wrestling between wrestling and boxing. I now never been real huge on boxing, but I enjoyed watch just spending time with him and watching. We would do the Tuesday night fights on USA. Oh yeah. So we would watch those, you know, and even like while I was in college, we would, you know, we recorded on VHS and then, watch it later because i would have like night school so i couldn't watch it right away but we'd go back and re-watch it you know he'd watch it and then wouldn't mind watching it again but the same kind of was true with wrestling that he kind of had an interest in it so he thought he's like here let's why don't you watch this you might like you guys might like this i'm like all right so my brother you know my brother jeremy and i would sit and watch it and we would enjoy it and then because video stores were still a thing we would go and rent the wrestlemanias Right. And summer slams and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's how we really actually got to learn, you know, got more knowledge about wrestling and got to watch all these older, you know, WrestleMania videos. So we actually, it's like watching a history, <laughs> you know, totally. You know, it was great. And it, and it wasn't like any sort of spoiler because it was all new to us. So we didn't know. Right. So, you know, plus it's before the internet, so you couldn't really look it up for spoilers or anything. So, you know, that's kind of how we kind of started getting our, our interest. So, and my brother was always an ultimate warrior fan. That was his big thing. And I think a lot of people and Patrick, I watched that video you had posted today. I was like, I hadn't seen this in forever. He uh, posted ultimate warriors first debut match against ravishing recruit. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah. The WWF. Yeah. 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 So that was a good one. And then he got um, a start in world class. Yeah. He, was, right. he was started in the territories yeah, as the dingo warrior, the dingo warrior and, and staying with teammates, right? The blade runners. Yep. That makes sense. Cause they have a similar face paint. Isn't that and crazy that, though? That, yeah. Like, I just <laughs> put that together. Yeah. Cause I never, I never knew they were like a team till much later when I was watching, you know, cause I watched WCW at the time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Same. You know, I so was like, Oh, Sting, like Sting, got face paint. He does right. a little beat in his chest sometimes. Not as much as Ultimate Warrior. He's got spiky hair. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Surf, surfer Sting. Surfer Sting. Yep. Surfer and, Sting. Um, but yeah. Also, I remember, even though I never got to meet him, my mom said she actually went to school. I don't know if this was high school or college, but I went to school with uh, Hillbilly Jim. Okay. Oh, nice. And, um, I was like, man, awesome. it would have been cool to meet him. But yeah, that, that's cool. Just to know my mom knew someone who later became a wrestler. And pretty awesome yeah totally i mean that's the thing you know like these guys 
being introduced to wrestling at, at, at that time, it's so different than it is now. It's yeah. so much different than it is now. And what this movie, I think, really captures is how like these guys were rock stars when you found out who they were, you know, mm -hmm. but it was your next door neighbor. It was your PE coach. It was the person you went to high school with just like it is now. But, you know, now it's, it's, it's more honorable or more popular to be a wrestler. Mm -hmm. Now, back in the day, it was still right. considered like, you know, a carnival type thing. You yeah. Know? Oh, professional wrestling, that stuff, you know, it was kind of looked down upon. I don't think it is now. I think, and I think mm -hmm. this movie does a really good job of maybe legitimizing the sport right because it is a sport i mean we can all agree yeah. that these guys put their yes. bodies through hell so oh yeah train and exercise yeah. i can't just go in wake up and get in the ring like they have right. to know how to take the right bump so they don't hurt to hurt themselves because you take you bump wrong done paralyzed right yeah like what we see happen to mike yes. which legit oh did happen in real life it's just wild so one thing i also remember we had wrestling buddies Oh yeah, y'all have y'all have wrestling buddies too. I had the Ultimate had, Warrior. My brother had Ultimate Warrior. I had Hulk Hogan because they didn't have a Big Boss Man one. No, so, was Big Boss Man yeah. your guy? He was your guy. I don't. I think I think just because of the glass, just because he looked like a police officer, you know, he was corrections, yeah. and he was an actual corrections officer from Cobb County. Bubba and Rogers. He, yeah, but I don't know why he just looked super cool. So I think that's why. But but yeah, and but yeah, he. <laughs> so we always had that. And I remember we'd be in my grandparents' basement, just you know, being our own tag teams. Yeah. I forgot what my I forgot what my brother's character's name was. I had this shirt. It was a I remember clearest day. It was like this, almost like dreamsicle color, like a like a white orange white kind of thing. Yeah, and it had some logo and it said Beach Bum on it. And so awesome. I ended up that that ended up being my wrestling name. Was beach oh, ball. that's perfect. And that's I think great. that's a great wrestling name. I was like, oh my God. That's a great like, wrestling name. Right? And like you just yep. add like a like a real good five o'clock shadow or something like that. And it's just <laughs> yeah. craggly hair. And you know, you could you're ready come to come out with a surfboard, come out to the ring with a surfboard, right. you know. Break it over your head or something like that. Yeah. It could be the opposite of what the dynamic dudes were. The dynamic dudes were yeah. this tag team. It was Shane Douglas, who later mm -hmm. went on to, you know, infamy with ECW when he famously threw the NWA title in a trash can and basically, you know, it's, it's in this great promo he shot on Eastern Championship Wrestling was a part of NWA and then he dumped it in the trash and he, you know, rebranded himself as the ECW champ. But he you know, crapped on Sting, he cra or no, crapped on, you know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Ric Flair. Mm -hmm. Anyways, way before that, he was in WWF for a while too. He, he was the part of the dynamic dudes, him and Johnny Ace. Johnny Ace is Johnny Laranitis, which is the brother of Animal from um, okay. Road Warriors, uh, right? Yeah, Legion Road Warriors. Oh my God, yes. And he went on, I think you guys will know Johnny Ace as being the, you know, general manager of Raw for a while. He was part okay. of that storyline. He was a backstage booker, not booker, but like, yeah, I think he was a booker. Anyways, did stuff backstage, had a reputation. I don't want to say it was good or bad, but right. I think it was kind of bad. But they were the dynamic dudes, and they come out with these, you know, flashy neon hats on. They were ridiculous and on skateboards <laughs> that they could barely skate on, and they throw frisbees out to the crowd. 
you know, they were the babyface yeah. tag team. And they, yeah. were, they were actually pretty good, but this was a time when, you know, NWA, which was soon becoming WCW, was not really good with their gimmicks. And these yeah. guys were just kind of a joke. Um, yeah. But they could still go. They were great athletes. But anyways, it reminds me, like, it could be, it could, it could be the heel versions of yeah. the dynamic dudes with the with your surfboard and your... Right? That's, anyways. I was like... But I... And I, where were we? I think I was like 13. I wasn't quite 14. I was like 13. So I was like York's age now. So it's just why. That's it's perfect, just funny. Dude. I just think about... I, I was thinking about that. I was like, yeah. Because I was... Because I think about... Because it's... We went to one WCW match when it came through... Uh, when at this point we had moved up to uh, Springfield, Missouri. Okay. And my grandfather took my brother and I to a match and Sting was there. And was it the kid? I can't think of his name, but he, I mean, he was like, he was real scrawny, but he could, he could, I guess what net would now be described as like parkour type moves. Yeah. Cause he was doing like all kinds of flips and stuff that none of the other guys were doing because they were, more or less, they were just too big, but his agility was like ridiculous. What year are and we talking at this point? 93, 94? Nope. No. Okay. Take that back. Nope. 92. Between 91 and 92, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was probably in eighth grade, so it had to have been, yeah, 91, 92, somewhere in there. That wasn't Brian Pillman, was it? I don't. Flying Brian? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. He was just at, that, yeah, at, at the time, he was known as the kid. I don't know if he ever. I think he ended up going to like WWF at some point. I'm was like, hey, I remember Sean Waltman. Sean, uh, X-Pac became X-Pac and six and all the other gimmicks he had. I don't know. I'll have to look okay. it up now because it's going to bother me. Yeah. And I'll get back to you. I shall return if I have an answer. But OK, yeah, it was. But it was a great show. And it's it was at the Shrine Auditorium. I remember that much because it's. One of the few venues I've been I've been to at that place. And no, it was great. It was packed too. You know, in Southwest Missouri for wrestling. But I it, mean, it Missouri, was, Kansas was, City yeah. was a huge hotbed oh, for yeah. wrestling too. You know, that's where Harley Race had his territory, mm-hmm. I believe. And Yeah, which is probably where my grandfather was watching because they lived there for like fifty years almost. Like right. well, at least forty years. Yeah. Talk so, about by moved. the way, talk about in in the Iron Claw, the the guy who plays Harley Race. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are complaining a lot about Ric Flair. Understandably, the guy who plays Ric Flair, but the guy who plays Harley Race in the Iron Claw. Yeah, I was like, that is pretty spot on. Yeah, it felt authentic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the Ric Flair thing. I was just like, like every like every so often, like, okay, I kind of feel him. Then I'm out of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of feel it. But he didn't. He just didn't. You just, it's hard to mimic Ric Flair. That's just very it, it, difficult. Nothing against the actor, but it felt like a spirit Halloween version of Ric Flair. So I will tell you, I met the actor at, at yeah. the, at, I went to the Dallas, I went to the premiere de- in Dallas of the okay, Iron Claw. Okay, humble Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy of A24. And they, they had a rap party at the, yeah. not a rap party, but like a after party at this local saloon place. Yeah. And the right. whole cast and crew were there, right? And I'm in line getting food, and I'm next to the guy. I'm talking to this guy, and he's like, "Yeah, my buddy's in the movie." I'm like, "Oh, cool. What? What? Who's he play? Ric Flair." And so <laughs> I go, "Wow." Yeah. Oh, I go, "Man." So, like, do you have? I, I didn't want to yeah. say you were terrible because uh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to the guy, right? But I said, do you, 
did you grow up with Ric Flair? He's like, no, not really, man. I, I you know, from Pennsylvania and I, I didn't watch wrestling back in the day. And like, that's obvious. It's, uh, you know, Patrick, but you and Jeff, like you can, you both know who Ric Flair is. I think even non-wrestling fans know who Ric Flair is Yeah, he, next to Hulk Hogan, you know, in eighties sense, Ric Flair mm-hmm. is the next guy, right? I think the guy, Ric Flair is like Elvis, you know, you can't that like, you just got to do them one way, you know, yeah. like if you're going to do Vegas Elvis, you do it one way. If you do it cool yes. Elvis, you, but Ric Flair at that time was not a parody of himself yet. He was legit yeah. and cool. This guy, like the, the woo didn't even, I'm, we should just get that out of the way right now. Like that's yeah. probably the worst part of the movie. If there is a blemish on this film, it's that. Mm-hmm. You know, which definitely took takes you out for a for a beat. I think people yeah. who don't know who Ric Flair is, hold on, can you re- recast that. Yeah. Like, that's the best yeah. they had, right? That's the best they had. Oh man, mm-hmm. I mean, like the only person, yeah, I know to do a great imitation. I guess this is at that point where he's become that caricature. Was I? I saw a clipping of this. Was, oh, uh, he's fantastic. When it, cause I saw, cause I saw the video. Of, Rick Flair going back and forth. I was like, I, I, I wish I'd seen that the moment. Yeah, Jay Jay Lethal does a great Rick Flair and a great Macho Man. Like he, he did a Macho Man gimmick for a while, and mm-hmm. and and Jay Lethal's an accomplished wrestler too in his own right, uh, Ring of Honor and TNA and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I would have taken Will Ferrell in uh, Eastbound and Down over. <laughs> I'm like, you could have had Jay Lethal mm-hmm. do the voice and then just have him mimic. Why not? They probably could have just done, they, you know, with CGI now, they probably could have done a Ric Flair like they did, you know, Carrie Fisher in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, Star yeah. Just do a D, or or like Michael Douglas and Ant-Man, just do a de-aging and just call it a day, just have actual Ric Flair in there. I'm sure he would have done it, <laughs> kind right? Of, yeah. I mean, looking pretty old then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Wouldn't be too much, just give him a wig, he'll be all right. Uh. <laughs> We haven't even got into the actual movie. <laughs> um, Sorry, I know I'm. No, uh, no, no. That's that's on me. No, that's on me. So yeah, so the Iron Claw, which is for those that have not watched it yet and still are wanting to listen just to hear us talk about it, it's rated R with a runtime two hours twelve minutes. It is the true story of the inseparable Von Eric brothers who made history in the intensely competitive world of professional wrestling in the early 1980s. You have Zach Efron starring as Kevin Von Eric, which is the, I mean, bro is jacked in this movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, what is that opening 10 minutes of the movie? And they, there's a close up shot of him in bed and you're like, you can see every vein, every vein. Out. Yes. I was like, good God, man. I was jealous. <laughs> I was jealous. Yeah. I was just jealous of his tan. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> You also have Jeremy Allen White, which most people will probably know from the TV show The Bear, as Carrie Von Eric. Harris Dickinson, which if you, for those that remember Triangle of Sadness from last year's awards, or two, last year's? I think yeah. last year's awards. Um, yeah. He was in year. that, but he was also in, he, he's in a show that's currently on Hulu that I haven't watched yet, but it's been on my list, A Murder at the, at the End of the World. Oh, he is also in See How They Run, which we've talked about. He actually plays Richard Attenborough in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that's interesting. And then he's also in Where the Crawdads Sing, which 
we talked oh. about and had a special episode, and he was in The King's Man, so the sequel to The Kingsman. Yeah. So he's been in quite a bit of movies and had a, he's been around. And then Maura Tyranny, oh my God, she still looks, she is still stunning. Like, yeah, I still have a, like, I was like, oh my God, I still have a crush on her because <laughs> she looks stunning and she was amazing yeah. in this movie. Oh my God. Agreed. She was Agreed. amazing. Yes. She plays the mother, Doris Von, Doris Von Eric. And then you have Hope Mc- Callany, who I've loved for a very long time, God, at least what probably before Fight Club, even his name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> he plays the father, Fritz von Eric. And oh my God, you could not have got anyone better to play that. I he's mean, perfect. And if oh. he doesn't get nominated, I'll be shocked because he's yeah. wonderful. You guys may or may not know he played a Native American in Creepshow 2. Creepshow <laughs> 2. He's, it's the one where the where the wooden statue comes to life and he's got this okay. long flowing hair and he's he's the main bad guy in that in that segment in creep show oh too. Oh my god. I'll so. have to rewatch it now. Holt, Holt McElhinney, that guy is he looks like a oh. comic book character. Yes. He looks like a chiseled from a Marvel comic from the seventies. Like he just with that jaw and that anyways, I love that dude. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's a lot of people always now will probably know from Mindbender on Netflix. Mindhunter? In which Mindhunter, yes, that one. That Love one's that a better show. name. Yeah, it's a great show. And Mindbender just, is a G.I. Joe character. That's also that's Dr. Mindbender to you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I don't know what his Pete I don't know what his doctorate's in, but oh wait, hey, yes, I do. It's it's in it's not even in what you think. It's not even in like psychology or anything like that. It's in something random. I forgot what it was. Yeah, because he like says it in um, or something like that. In one G.I. Joe the, the movie, I believe. Yeah. And that's where I learned uh, D- what DNA stands for. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Let's see. We've also got. Uh, uh, I lost my place here. But then we have like a host of. Oh, Willie James plays Pam, who winds up marrying Ugh. Zach Efron's character. Kevin so Hunter. good. And it was bugged me because I couldn't pick out who she was. I'm like, I know who I know her, but I can't why do I know her type of thing? And what then is she from? I, what is so, she from? I believe she's Emily in Paris on Netflix. Oh, also she was the live action Cinderella. Really? So, so of course I thought, you know, when I was thinking about it, it's Emily in Paris, Texas, <laughs> since the movie takes place in Texas, I was like, Oh, Emily in Paris, comma, Texas. So it's not apparently she was in pride, prejudice and zombies. Mama Mia, here we go again. Baby Driver, Pam and Tommy. She played Pam Anderson in the Pam and Tommy. Oh yeah, series. She was great in that too. That was a wild show, but that was she was great in that. Maybe she's not Emily Paris. I'm just thinking that. Yeah, she was in Darkest Hour also hmm. with uh, Gary Oldman. So cool. Yep. Okay, not Emily Paris. That's somebody else. Thought it was her though. Oh well, not a big deal. But she was also great. And then you have an actual host of actual wrestlers that make cameos in this as well as basically other wrestlers, which I found interesting. But hey, if you're going to get people to be wrestlers, why not actually have wrestlers as well? Yeah, you uh, did you bring up Stanley Simmons or Simons? No, as Mike, no, Mike on Eric. No, I, not yet. So, yeah. And he was great, too. That's so good. Kind of a what do you call that? It more of a. Not an underperformance, just because everybody else was so big and 
yeah kind of over i don't want to say over the top but i mean just because of their size and the way they they're very their characters are very imposing on screen because that's how they're supposed to be and he's like not because he's also the one that didn't really want to wrestle he yep. was the musician right so but you know his dad's like everybody's gonna wrestle it's yeah just, yeah and i and i know you know Chris Von Erich was the youngest one in the Von Erich family who mm-hmm. was not put in the film and talking to the director, Sean Durkin. Mm-hmm. And he said, he's gone on record to say that he took the Chris and Mike actual people and kind of combined them into one character Gotcha. to save time. Part of me feels like to save depression because it's so sad. Like they all, yeah. you know, Chris is, Chris took his own life as well, sadly. And so they're like a hybrid, right? The Mike Von Erich yeah. character is a, but, but the guy who plays it, yeah, it's very understated. He, he has a very like yeah. quieter, quieter role, role, but it's so, so, so good. Yeah. So we, the movie opens in black and white, which is awesome. I sucker for black and white movie, but I was like, well, I know it doesn't stay in black and white, but it's great because it, it shows time. It shows that this is, an earlier time, and then when we with Fritz being the wrestler doing the actual original Iron Claw, which is basically he does this move where he, you know, if you remember seeing Liar Liar, ooh, you're afraid of the claw, and then <laughs> kind of does that. It's that, That's but funny. not funny. <laughs> it's that, right. but not funny, and it goes over basically like a face hugger almost <laughs> over their face and on their on their forehead, and just squeezes. And I guess it's supposed to just. I guess it's supposed to hurt your brain, I guess, yeah. or your skull. I, I was like, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out the. Well, you're like, pushing down you on over, the, the on temples. The temple. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That checks out. And so, and so, you see the origin of the title of the movie, and then you kind of, and then it goes into color, and then you start, and then with Kevin waking up to the alarm and everything, and then trying to wake his brother up, and he's like, "Hey, let's go run." He's like, "Nah," it's like, "Nah." I'm going to sleep. That's it. Right. I feel you. I feel you on that one, brother. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> Run. No, I'm good. But it just shows right off the bat Kevin's dedication. Like he's like, he's all about this. This is his life. And this is, he's, you know, morning, noon and night. This is what he's doing. Right. Whereas, you know, David's about it too, but just, you know, maybe not as, I want to say intense, you know, is, motivation's not as driven as Kevin's is to be the champion. But one thing that struck me that, Oh, I was like, it really sets. It really tells you right away who this, who the character Fritz is right off the bat there at the breakfast table. Yeah. When he starts telling, when he starts kind of give telling who the favorite is and then going down the line of each kid and then saying, well, the rankings can change at any time. I was like, yeah. wow, this guy's a dick. <laughs> like, I'm like, who tells their kids this? It's like, I guess you're supposed to use that for motivation, but horrible parents. Like what? Right. Like who, who actually does that? Right. And, and he wasn't joking. That was the worst part. Like there was no like wink or kind of chuckle afterwards. It was just straight up. No, this is, He's all business. Fritz is all business because he wants his kids to succeed where he didn't. 
Yeah. Right, right. And I, I, I interviewed David Manning, who is the it was kind of the right hand man to Fritz von Erich yeah. at World Class Championship Wrestling. Doesn't really get a nod or mention in this film, which mm-hmm. is fair because it's about the von Erich family. It's not about the people. Right. And you know, he said that one of his biggest, not complaints, but biggest kind of criticisms of the film was that it rep- portrayed Fritz in in such a callous way. Yeah. I feel like clearly we weren't there. We weren't a part right. of the family. But I don't think it's inaccurate as to how men treated their sons back in the day. I think we've yeah, become much more sensitive and much more aware of feelings, which is important. <laughs> yes. As we've gotten older. And I mean, my dad, I've, we could go down the list of like things our dads did maybe yes. or didn't do. And I don't think it necessarily portrays him in a bad way. I feel it kind of portrays him fairly accurately. A, All he cared about, about was yeah. he wanted the business. He cared about the business. Yeah. He wanted notoriety. He was a wrestler, you know, so Fritz yeah. von Erich. And, and, and so I think that level of fame never yeah. reached him to that degree and and i think he wanted that for his kids i think he wanted it in a way like the same way the uh, the the william serena williams you know father was yeah. or tiger woods you know it's like the, these they want their kid to excel and just whether it's good or not you know whether right. it's good parenting or not it's a whole other story yeah but i think i'm right with you guys i think it it's portrayed in a very harsh way but i think it's pretty accurate yeah i mean and you're right too zach that i mean it is kind of just you know it is kind of the parenting of the times i mean of the times yeah yeah i mean the the 80s for us gen xers just it was it was a different kind of growing up and corporal punishment was like a normal thing you know i smack my kid if they're mouthing off it's like that was normal back then i'm not saying it's good but it was no different rules exactly and it 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 was just interesting to kind of how they were able how the movie was just able to lay that all out right off the bat. This is right. This is who he is. This is how he parents. And then Doris was just kind of there to do the domestic stuff and right. Really didn't have a, a say in anything. She just he, took care he, of the house and he took care of the business, which again was kind of just Kind of goes back to how they probably grew up too in the, you know, I guess what I would assume to be probably the fifties, you know, for right. for them. And that's just kind of stuck with them. That's what they felt that their roles were. You know, he provided and she just took care of the took care of the house. Yeah. Hunter gatherer and you know. Yes. Well, and one thing too with that you notice throughout this movie is they're really like parenting is kind of non-existent to be honest i mean because anytime like when kevin went to go talk to his mom's like hey i need you to talk to dad he's being really hard on mike right and she's like you know we have to get ready you know it's like that's you know for you to talk to your dad about or you know not gonna basically i'm not gonna talk to him about this that's yeah for them to work out and then later on in the movie when well, we'll get to that part, but there's another incident later on in the movie where Kevin calls his dad and says, Hey, you need to talk to Carrie because he sounds like he's about to do something. He's in a bad place. And he goes, well, that's for the two of you to work out. 
Right. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I don't even think my dad <laughs> would have said that, which, you know, I think he would have been like, okay, I'll call him. I don't know what you want me to do, but I, right. he would at least probably go, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'll call him. <laughs> like, right. Uh, it's yeah, it's, 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 I think, you know, I think our generation is the last generation to really fully get that. Yeah. Newer generations who see this might be like a little taken aback, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, level of communication was way different back then. And also too, like regional, you know, growing up yes. in Texas and, and, and on a farm and practically, you know, they had, yeah. they had 270 acres, you know, of, of land it's and they were doing crazy. It, it's, it is, it's, it's insane. You know, David, David, Von Eric had a wrestling match with gorgeous Jimmy Garvin back in the day. And the stipulation was whoever lost had to be their valet for the day. It's one of the matches we cover on territory marks and Garvin loses, of course. And he has to mow, you know, one of the things David wants him to do is mow the 270 acres with a push mower. Cause that's what you do, <laughs> you know? And, wow. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, like that, that was it's a it's rural place right so there's a level of communication that's going to be different because they're not exposed to like we gotta talk to your kid ask him how he's feeling you know yeah they don't do that no they didn't the only feelings they show is when they're wrestling in the ring (laughs) exactly and you know and you know and the dad even said during the funerals you know take those sunglasses off we're not hiding anything and don't you dare cry right I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember those. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and, and, and that's one of those things too. Like I, I, I kind of grew up like that too. Like you don't cry. Like now right. do I cry? Of course I do. Do I tell my yeah. kids to cry? Definitely. You have to, you have to let it out. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it now. Better out than in. Yeah. Right. But also I'm also one of those do as say not as I do people. And I, I'd still kind of bad about that. You know, because I try and, you know, be the strong one for everybody. I don't know why. I just, that's how I, that's just how I grew up. And so, but I always make sure my kids express their emotions, you know, how they need to within reason. (laughs) Let's, let's go with that. You know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, there is a line. Let me, let me emphasize that. But, but yeah, and it's, this movie is just wild in that nature. And I, I've never, I do not remember ever hearing about the sportatorium because I remember during during your interview with with David that he said it was over by like Reunion Arena. Now that I've been to many a time. Okay, so saw new kids out on block there. Fifth oh, nice. grade. Yes. Like you are in touch with thanks, your emotions. Thanks. thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thanks, mom. My poor brother had to come with us. He did not want, but I, I still remember it. it. Yeah, and. We, no offense, we I'm just one yeah, not a big NKOTB fine. fan. Nope, and that's okay. <laughs> it's not for everybody. But I also saw, you know, the Mavericks lose many a time. Reunion so that's like Arena. a stadium. Reunion is like yeah. a stadium. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a stadium. And the Sportatorium is like basically like a warehouse. I mean, more yeah. or less, but more industrial looking, I guess is a good way to put it. But still had like your benches for bleachers and stuff like that. And you know, some some chair seating as well, but overall not near the size capacity of, of like an actual arena. But they 
they would still draw a crowd though. And just, and it's just, it was just amazing. And the choreography for one thing in this movie was outstanding. Like the, not to take it. Well, I guess to go ahead and take (laughs) phrase from the movie. Did you check out the camera angles? (laughs) (laughs) The camera angles were nice in this. Well, that was a big, that was a big comment that they made in the movie that, because, you know, courtesy of David Manning, of course, you know, talking about in the interview world-class really was a groundbreaker in that way. They were the, one of the first to play rock music coming to the ring. They were one of the first to use multiple camera angles versus the one shot, you know, and miking the ring, like mics around the ring, picking up stuff. So they were innovative and, and the sportatorium, it's a shame because that place could have should nowadays, if it was still around, it would be a museum. It would be a wrestling museum. We'll go to, but it was torn down, I think, in 2003, which is a, oh, wow. such a bummer. And, you know, Sean Durkin in our interview talked about how they built, you know, basically resurrected the uh, Sportatorium, which is super cool. Yeah. I would have loved to see shows there. I would love, like, have that in your yeah. backyard all the time, Friday night wrestling. Like, how cool yep. is that? Very cool. See the new up-and-comers who might wind up being, you know, move on. Basically, like kind of like the Minor Warrior. Weeks. Yeah. Right? Or like, so I started watching, not to get too off track, but I started watching this docuseries on Netflix. I told both of y'all about it called Wrestlers. Yeah. And I think it's a little, it, the more I, the more episodes I watch, this is only like seven or eight episodes. The more episodes I watch of this, the more I think they are the ones that made the documentary. Because it does seem a little more, almost like a seven episode commercial. It's about the Ohio Valley wrestling. So, OVW. Yeah. And that and it's takes place up in Louisville, Louisville, depending on where your dialect is. I say Louisville, not Louisville. You don't say Louisville. Um, nope. No, I don't. I, and it's no, hard for me never. to say. So, yeah. <laughs> or and it's hard for me to say Louisville, like most people around here do. I can't do it. It. How do you Louisville. say it, Patrick? How do you say it? It depends. Like I some, you know, I hear I hear Louisville, Louisville, and then you know I, I mess around in Louisville, like you said. There, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I just mess around with it. But Patrick's I, like, yeah. I, I watched three episodes of that. <laughs> yeah. And what hooked me in, I saw, because Al Snow was in, I'm like, oh, I remember him yeah. from back in the day, WWF and ECW and all that. Right. So that's what, that's what got me. So I, I plan on finishing it, but uh, yeah. I did find it interesting. I remember the year I graduated, 98, showing my age. But that's one of the things my friends and I talked about, like, man, we should, we should wrestle. But, you know, we never, we never followed through on it. but. That's how much. That's how into wrestling we were at the time. It's like, wow. yeah, do this It'd be fun, but yeah, just never did. Yeah. What and, and and Jeff, you're saying that you felt like it was a a big commercial for kind of for OVW because it mm. talks about you know they're struggling, they're trying to get people to you know basically they're doing this. They had this radio guy Patrick, remember his name Matt something or Matt Jones because it reminds me yeah. of a guy I used to know back way back different matt jones and he he's i guess some big you know kentucky radio person he okay. ended up buying into this you know basically becoming a co-owner because they were struggling financially to keep it open and yeah. ovw like has brought a lot of big name people like john cena and uh i forgot who else patrick batista uh, right but yeah, batista brock Lesnar, batista yeah randy orton i think shelton benjamin too 
Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So a lot of big name people have come through there. So they're trying to keep it open to kind of keep producing these caliber of wrestlers and, you know, for people to keep coming and watching. And so they are having to go on like this tour around to different cities and different, like they're playing what looked like a rodeo arena in one. They're playing in a parking lot, you know, setting up rings and parking lots in the middle of a baseball diamond, I think in one. And what I like about it is that it does show the, not only just the business side, but where the, where different wrestlers are in their career of wrestling. Right. Cause you have some that have been around for 20 plus years. You have some that are, you know, five or 10 and then you have some that are like brand new and they think, you know, that are popular with the crowd and everybody. And so they're starting to get that kind of ego about it. And meanwhile, all these people are still having full-time jobs. Yeah. Like a lot of them work at it, like the holiday Inn or a holiday right. Inn in Louisville. And because it doesn't pay the bills. It really, no, doesn't. exactly. And so they're having to do these full-time jobs. Yeah. But still go around and do this. And I think I'm five episodes in, I think, I mean, it's good, but the more I kept thinking about it, I'm like, this is very well done. I think it's BBC's who's putting it out. Oh, Uh, okay. So yeah. And then, Hmm. but I'm like, okay, so it's about this company that's struggling, even with this dude that's come in to try and help and market it and make it, you know, make it shine. It's, I'm like, I feel like they're doing the doc, this documentary to help get more exposure, which I'm sure it, it, it is. And then to get people to come out to help save this wrestling organization. And I'm like, but it's not bad. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying that like a knock, it's just a more no, of an observation. No. But again, I think for people that are curious about how this, how wrestling functions, like how, you know, between setting up stories, between matches, between how you're going to choreograph, how they're going to do different moves and just the practice they have to do. And as well as, as well as, you know, just the workout, like the, and what kind of, you know, and again, what kind of toll it takes on a person's body. They had, they showed one episode. They didn't have a, what do you call it? The Lord, the pad on the, uh, on the corner. Yeah. 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 They didn't have a pad on there. It was just exposed. What? Yeah. You had to keep trying to give them. The they had to keep trying to keep them out of that corner. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Like, right. Yeah. I mean that, that, that's, you know, that's the thing about like WWE and AEW and TNA to some respect and ring of honor. Like the territory system is not really around anymore. It is in a right. weird way. It's starting to come back with like OVW and these smaller feds. Gorilla pro wrestling was here in Los Angeles. They were big for a while. You know, and there was Lucha Underground, which had a show on the El Rey Network, and then they got put on Netflix, which I highly recommend people seek out if you want to see like a cool telenovela version of of wrestling, because it is legit wrestling as well. Paul London wrestled on that for a minute. He was actually one of the producers behind the scenes. You know, like people don't understand, people who don't understand wrestling, it's cool that they have these documentaries now. Yeah. And I think the Iron Claw does a good way of representing it's a it's a it's a flash and you miss it moment where the yeah. their business started suffering and they had like right. half the arena full you know because it does like people get tired of the same product night in and night out you got to be innovative right. and different and and what and, they were doing in world class 
literally their sons were wrestling every night, you know? So, exactly. And, and at least the top, you know, when we talk about, when I say the sons, I mean, mostly David, Kevin and, and Carrie and, and, you know, in the movie does a good explanation as to like, he didn't necessarily want to wrestle too. He kind of yeah. got pushed into it. Right. Yeah. Anyways. I could go so I, what I what I and what I found interesting is how Kerry got pushed into it was he was a uh, track and field Olympian, hopeful yeah. I guess we'll say hopeful like yeah. he got selected to go to the Olympics yeah. yeah and then they canceled the well Carter apparently I guess took him out of the, you know basically took the U S out of the Olympics in 1980 because right. they're supposed to be held in mouth in Moscow and doing during. Because of more, you know, aggression into Russia's aggressive move into Afghanistan, you know, that precipitated that, hey, I don't want to send our people over there while they're basically essentially invading Afghanistan, more or less. And so, like, yeah, we're not going to do that. So they, which I thought was just, you know, it's like, okay, well, that, that, that's fair, but dang, that's going to suck. For all those people that were playing, you know, they've been training so hard and like, that's got to be hard. Like, I can't even imagine just you've been preparing, 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 and then boom, this happens. And then, I mean, yeah. So he, so Kerry, yeah, go ahead. I was was just saying like, all the other people that were training to prepare and they couldn't go, even though Kerry didn't want to wrestle, at least he had that where he could have, you know, fell Mm -hmm. back on. Everybody else probably didn't have that. This was the right. thing. <laughs> and so, right. Yeah, I mean, it kind of worked out for him, but who knows yeah. how it worked out for everybody else. And talk about a DNA of to come from a, you know, he was built like a Greek oh, god. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, and, and then people who don't, I'm sure you'll talk about it in a second, but out of all the brothers, he was probably the most, you know, picturesque as far as a yeah. wrestler is concerned. He, yeah. he, and he could, he made that transition so well to to WWF that look that he had, whether it was you know steroid induced or not, it's a whole other discussion. But regardless, right. he looked the part, you know. And meanwhile, I think David, out of all three, was really the strongest as far as overall ability. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and there are times when they would show like Zac Efron, especially with that haircut. And just as jacked as he was, I'm like, you know, if they ever did a Lou Ferrigno story, this would be perfect. Because he did. He looked like freaking Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk. And I can I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, I was like, there you go. There's your person. Or He-Man. He looked like He-Man. Yeah. Oh, say, that too. Slide him over to He-Man sit. There you go. Yep. <laughs> but come on, Zach. Just move over to He-Man. <laughs> Aren't they a- Amazon or Netflix dropped the ball on that? So whatever. Yeah. Although I did hear that, or I did see that, uh, I guess the next season of He-Man Revolutions will be coming out soon. Oh yeah, and it's oh, triggering it's, a lot of yeah. wrestling He-Man fans. I'm like, yeah, guys, chill right. out. It's 2023. It's just, yeah, you'll be all right. It's, it's okay. It'll be good. I, 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 I like the first one. It's okay. With it. Just yeah, don't watch it if you don't, it, you don't like, like it. it. Yeah, that's another thing too. Like this movie, this movie in particular has sparked a lot of controversy because of changes with omission of chris or right. the Ric Flair thing my take on it is let's celebrate the fact that this actually got made in 2023 yeah, like a movie exactly. about a wrestling family that 
I would say the majority of America has no idea about, you know? Oh, I, I don't I think I, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think I did. And I lived in Texas. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I caught glimpses of Carrie during his WWF run, like very little, but I didn't know any of the tragic events that happened in his family. And then they, him and Kevin appeared in one of the WWE games. So I knew of that, but. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah and. Yeah, and then this could open up for other stories about wrestlers, like you know, Eddie Guerrero. We can get to know his right his stories. I know I've seen a lot of posts online like, well, since this happened, well, let's get a story about Eddie Guerrero. You right, it'd be a good. I'd like to learn more about him. You know, and so it's a good, I guess, a good way to kind of open up possibility of other movies to come. Yeah, and and Jeff, you were saying that the the choreography of the wrestling in the in the in this movie was really good, and obviously that was done by Chavo Guerrero Jr., yeah. who is you know, I think it's Eddie's uncle, I believe, or his, yeah, I think it's I think, his uncle or nephew, one of or nephew, yes, yeah. yeah. Or yeah I might be flipping the two, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the but one thing ch- I liked was the the wrestling. It looked authentic, like it. it they took, I think when. You have actors playing wrestlers. It's like some of them don't look at wrestling as a sport. And you right. know, so that's the challenge is get them to take it serious. And some interviews I saw that they, they really dug in and learned, you know, to make everything in the ring look authentic like you would back in the day or just wrestling now, you know, it looked real. Like it just looked like what just sitting in front of the TV, watching a wrestling match. Right. Forgot that they were actors. Yeah, I, yeah. I know that you know Zach Efron went on record to just talk about his his respect he has for professional wrestlers, and I thought that Chavo did a wonderful job of, you know, getting the most out of each actor. And Jeff, you had mentioned mm-hmm. a few actors, a few wrestlers in the movie portraying other wrestlers, like um, yeah. MJF, who's a AEW wrestler, who's also the producer, executive producer of this movie, right? Just right. a trip, and people are like, oh, but he was only in it for five seconds. Like, yeah, because Lance von Eric, the character he's portraying, yeah, should n- only show up for five seconds in a movie about the von Erics. Because if if you guys want more backstory, look into that. Because it's it just that shows that paints Fritz in a more negative light too. You know, yeah, yeah. But then, and I think Dolph Ziggler's brother, I I know his last name's Nemeth Nemeth. Uh, he portrayed. Uh, uh, Ryan, 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 Gino Hernandez. Yeah. If you don't know Gino Hernandez's story, who baby, that's another tragic one. He, he went down a dark path too. There's a lot of dark roads that this movie could continue to go. Yeah. Well, it is an A24 movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's one, there's, there's several things A24 has, has historically been able to do in the four and a half years that Patrick and I have been watching a 24 movies and that is beautiful cinematography. Lighting department's always on point and you never know what you're really going to watch. <laughs> There's always going to be like a moment where you go, what in the world am I watching? Right. And yeah. And that they always will take chances. They are the, they are the studio in my eyes. Like they are the studio, like any. If I see anything associated with A24, I'm probably going to go watch it. Nine times out of ten, not I, I'm not I'm still on the fence about Civil War, but nine times out of ten, I'm 
going to go watch it because I know it's going to be something I haven't seen before. It's going to be a story that is going to be fresh. It's going to be something we I haven't seen before. And it's going to be told in a way that will be fascinating and will more than likely stick with me. I, I I've think, not yeah. watched one yet that I've been like, man, I think I, you just summed up the movie. I think you just summed yeah. up iron claw. Cause yeah. that pretty hit, much hits all the bases on it. Yeah. I mean, cause this, I did not, and I had no idea how much tragedy this family, this poor family went through. And one thing I, I, when I was, cause I was listening to your, to your, to your interview with on the way, on the way to the movie and the fact that the curse, the Von Eric curse that's talked about in the movie yeah. didn't actually, wasn't actually a thing. It's just something they added for the movie. Yeah. David I Manning. I mean, yeah, I, you know, Sean Durkin had said that he didn't do any interviews with family members prior to this movie, like re- as far as research. I think that is probably a misstep. I agree. But he, he, you know, I remember seeing, there's a great documentary and I've brought it up before. It's called The Heroes of World Class. It's on YouTube. It's like three hours long. Really details all the, de- all the ins and outs of world class wrestling and all the tragic stories. You know, yeah, you don't call it a curse, but I forget who I was talking to. Definitely there's a level of mental health that probably wasn't oh. being reported. You, know, uh, you think you've got three of the four brothers committing suicide, three of the yeah. four that had died, you know, after the, the youngest, the oldest one had died, Jackie, yeah. there's clearly something going on there, you know, they're yeah. not getting the mental support that they need. Well, I think that's obvious throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's really, With, yeah. Uh, and, and obviously Mike Von Eric's injury, which causes his toxic, toxic shock syndrome is, yeah. It's just so tragic. And I remember it it's it's like that roller coaster ride where it just keeps going down and it never stops until the movie finally ends. You're like, oh, we're done now? Okay. God. Yeah. Hell shocks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I did find it and it's fascinating that Carrie had that motorcycle accident, lost part of his leg, and you know, was an amputee, and then I mean, forced himself. To wrestle, to get back up, because that's what he had. I mean, he didn't know how really much else, what else to do other than be an athlete. And yeah, there's a little more just, backstory on that too. With yeah. so I don't mean to cut you off, but oh, um, you're good. Yeah, you know he. So the movie makes it seem like he lost it soon after he won the title, which he lost yeah. it uh, about two years after in '86. He won the world title in '84, but he had done what a lot of athletes do when they get injured. He tried to bounce back too soon and they could have saved the foot apparently allegedly but he rushed it and he re-injured it so they had to take off from what i've read and the people i've spoken to like the front part of his foot basically and that's where he versus you know in the movie they make it seem like he lost it from the knee down (laughs) right yeah and so you know and i think there's been a lot of stories about him being zooted up and, you know, high yeah. and, and uh, but like for me, he gets a pass for all that because right. of the pain that guy was going through on a daily bit and to perform, you know, Patrick, you yeah. mentioned you saw him in the WWF 
And at that point, he had already lost his leg, right? Or lost part of his what foot, leg, whatever. And he performed really well. Like, you know, he's, you would never know. And he was going, he was going against Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, who, you know, was exactly what his name said. He was yeah. perfect in the ring and he was flawless and he was flawless on the microphone too. And, you know, the guy was going through so much pain in his life and he literally, it was a downhill cycle, you know? Yeah. And he has two kids. I think he has two girls. Lacey's one of them who wrestled for a minute and yeah, just tragic. So sad. But they, I think they handle it really well in the movie though. Yeah. And I, so, and that's one of those things like when I go into watching a biopic, I don't care who it is. I know it's not going to be, I know it's going to be dramatized. I know right. it's not going to be verbatim or it's not going to be at a hundred percent accurate. If you want that, you watch a documentary. If you <laughs> exactly. want more, let me say, let me rephrase that. If you want something that'll be more accurate, I'm not saying documentaries are always fully accurate, but if you want something more accurate than a biopic movie, watch a documentary on it. If you want something just for entertainment, watch a narrative movie. Right. Just do it that way. But so I always, you know, grain of salt with any biopic movie I watch. I kind of, I get it. You know, some things have to be done for dramatic effect. It just to make a movie go forward or to enhance, you know, the tension within the movie. So I get that. So I'm not, I give a lot of free passes on a lot of things just because, I mean, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Like, it's almost like saying they never said that. Well, of course, you wouldn't. I mean, the screenwriter's not going to know anymore. They weren't there. Like, right. they're just taking what they've either researched or, you know, some people actually do interviews with or at least try and do interviews with the source material. Right. But I'm I'm kind of curious as to why he didn't try. That's that's something I'm always kind of curious why people don't try and at least try, make an attempt to reach out. Me, too. I mean, I'm not negating the fact that he's probably a legit wrestling fan. Right. But I don't think to the degree that, you know, other people are, but he's the filmmaker. So. Exactly. He did a good job. He did did an excellent job. Yeah. I I would say away from that. Yeah. No, I mean, I've seen them. I've seen this movie twice now and both times I felt the same way. I felt like, you know, things that bother me are pushed by the side. Overall, I think the movie's fantastic and the acting and soundtrack is killer. Like, yes, everything about this movie, I think, uh, is really, really well done. You guys said it. A24 is the only studio that probably could have made a movie like this. And I thought they knocked it out of the park. Yeah. But the only one I think that would actually take a chance on it. I mean, that's the and that's one thing that I've always appreciated that that studio does is it takes chances like it pushes boundaries. For sure. Totally. Yeah. And no matter what movie it is, no even matter what kind of genre, it's going to take chances. And that's what I love about it. And they're not going to care. And they always knock it out of the park. No matter how, how, how mainstream it might be. But most of them, most A24 movies are not mainstream. (laughs) They're usually kind of artsy in depending on what you're watching. But yeah, they, they're definitely one of me and Patrick's favorite studios to watch or to have a movie come out. And we always try and catch them in theater if we can. Yes. So for sure. But, but yeah, it, it's this movie's just, I don't think it's getting the, I mean, I guess it is 
when I go on the interwebs, you know, and see stuff about it, it's getting a lot of praise and everything. But I don't think we're seeing that reflected as far as like on screen, like with commercials. No. and It's really marketing. a shame. I, I think it's yeah. going to get a lot. I don't think it's going to get I, my feeling is it's not going to get the attention it deserves at the Academy. Awards. Agreed. I agree. Because so far it's not gotten any because, again, we had Critics Choice on. Yeah, no, nothing. nothing. No nominations. Nope. Golden Globes. Nothing. And yeah, I think that's. I mean, and I had, I, and I don't think they got anything for SAG either. So, nope. It's. I think that's because it's a wrestling movie. Yeah, I think this if this was still a boxing movie. Cast. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 I mean, I get it. But I, it, I still think wrestling is a is a is a is a, you know, to to use a terrible phrase, it's like the redheaded stepchild. It's like not. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's not. It still gets looked upon, not favorably, but it's amazing how many people are wrestling fans. And right. you talk to these mainstream people and they're like, oh, I know that. Oh, I want, you know, but yeah. then, 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 then let it be represented. Yeah. I still say, I think this is the best representation of wrestling on screen better than the wrestler. I think the wrestler was yeah. more about the man. This is more about the family, this family right. wrestling, they ate and slept wrestling, you know? Yeah. Is well, one thing's for sure. I think everybody should. I think if you have a, we'll say middle school and probably older, because it's rated R, but I guess for the wrestling, maybe the suicide stuff, there is yeah, heavy, it's heavy. It there are some heavy themes in it. However, like I always like to say, depending on where your kid is in their emotional and mental, you know, progression at their age will depend a lot on how well they'll be able to handle all that or, you know, process that and kind of understand what's going on and how serious it is. But that's also not a bad idea to take them to go see it if they like wrestling. And just so they can see what happens to people when, because it, it shows good lessons on addiction, what addiction does. It also shows like suicide, how, serious and how how serious suicide is and what kind of a toll it takes on the family right and how it's not you know it's it's a way out but it's not the way out and so that's to me as a father that's a discussion i don't mind having with my son yeah or you know if grayson were to want to watch it when she's a little bit older but you know with york now at 13 that is definitely not a that's definitely a discussion i don't mind having because as he's starting, because he's now 13, so all the hormones are kicking in. Everything, you know, all the things are changing. So this is going to be, I think this is the perfect time for him to see this. Because I think we could have those conversations about those topics and then, you know, have a, a good discussion. But also show, you know, the skill these people have. Because even though it may be... I don't, I don't like using the term scripted anymore. Yeah. We'll just say outlined. It's it's at least outlined. That's a best. good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily scripted, but it's outlined. And they, because it's still an art form. Just like when, after I saw John, John Wick 3, there's a scene with him, Halle Berry, and the dogs that so beautifully choreographed. I said it was like a symphony. Because it just played beautifully, like everything just 
moved in one swoop motion, the camera, between the camera, the actors, like everything just moved along, flowed just, you know, like a beautiful symphony. That's kind of like wrestling. Wrestling is just like that in the fact that they, you know, bounce off, you know, and do all these moves that just, I mean, you just have to be timed perfectly. Right. And it's just amazing to watch. And I agree, it doesn't get the credit it deserves sometimes. Yeah, there was a match just past Friday on SmackDown where a couple of wrestlers took, it looked nasty, but I think it was just a couple of contusions. But when you, it was Austin Theory and what's his name, Carmelo. Oh, yeah, I saw that spot. Yeah, that right there was like, whoa. But luckily, it wasn't like anything major. They'll recover from it, but. It looked nasty. Yeah, because Austin Theory, they did like but both kind of did a not a flip, but they they flipped off the top rope and, and Austin Theory landed on his neck really yeah. bad. Oh god. Yeah. And it look you slow it down, he it bends like a 90 degree angle. And you're like, yeah. that's not supposed to go that way. No, and, and the ref, nope. you know, seeing that, you know, he did the ex of hey, got called us off because you might I mean, even though it ended up not being serious, you just don't know. You, know, you, you got can't lucky. mess around. Yeah. Yep. No, we can't. And that's one thing too. Now that you brought that up, Patrick, in the movie when when Kevin wrestles Harley and he throws him out of the ring, he lands on the concrete. Super. And he's like, I yeah, he's like, I wasn't expecting to hit that hard. You know, he threw me out harder than I expected, and I, you know, the, I landed on my back on the con, you know, on the hard concrete, and it took me you know, while to get up because I could not move. And his dad being like, well, you have to get up and just get back in there. You know, brush it off, you know. Walk it off. (laughs) Walk it off, son. Walk it off pretty much is what he said. And it's like, wow. Because I I mean, because I felt that when he landed on the car. I was like, God. Well, that's like, you know, when they get thrown out and laying on tables and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm like, good God. I mean, no wonder why these guys get hooked on pain pills because, I mean, doing all these stunts you know essentially it was just ridiculous it's crazy yeah you look at there's an old wrestling match with ricky the dragon steamboat and jake the snake roberts where jake Mm -hmm. the snake ddt's ricky steamboat on the concrete floor and his face afterwards is so swollen it's like someone put clay on his the middle of his forehead you know he legit i think he got a legit concussion from that Uh, i mean that's and this is back in the day like in They've they show that in the movie really well. This is a time when they wouldn't wrestle with pads on the ground and it was concrete, you know, and very hardcore before hardcore was even a thing, you know. Yeah, it it was wild. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I know we didn't really get too deep into the movie, but I think that's we covered a lot. I think we yeah because we want people to go see this. Yeah. I, yeah. I, somehow, I even though I said it's probably going to spoil, I'm like, you know what? We did good, but I wanted to put it out there just in case. I'm impressed with both of you guys because yeah. uh, it's yeah. hard, you know? No, I think yes, you did. You know, look at us professionals. <laughs> <laughs> what am I, professional? Yeah, four and a half years in, we we got this. And by the way, if any, if anybody yeah. is a, has already seen the movie and is a fan, A24, I know we, we talked about this offline, A24 yeah. put out a really cool yeah. Von Erichs magazine yes. that you can buy oh, from totally. their website. And it has, it, it is, it is the, it is glorious the way they, they, what they put into this thing. It's not expensive at all. It's the price of a magazine. Yeah. 
highly recommend you pick that up because it is wonderful. And those come out once a month, by the way. I subscribed to it over a year ago. Cool. I think my first one I got was right after Everything Everywhere All at Once. So I got the tax forms. And oh, all this. cool. It, it yeah. Has all, yeah, it has all kinds of cool stuff in it. It comes out like once every month. You yeah, get this an one email had... to let you know whenever it ships out and everything. It's great. Yeah, they did They did like a the faux poster of the actors yep. portraying the wrestlers. The, the, the one I have is Harris Dickinson as David Von Erich. And, yep. uh, you know, it's super cool. Like, yep. anyway, I've got the Zek Efron one. Oh, oh, how dare you? I, of course you do. I know, right? Of course I do. <laughs> I've been yeah. seeing people online yeah. talk about I have this one. Somebody's got yeah. this portrayed. And- portrayed. That's cool. Yeah, I know. I can't, I ordered another <laughs> copy. Hopefully, I get a different one. This is how I'm. My I bet mind you will. Rolls. Yep. I got to get yep. all three. You got to collect them all. It's like a Pokemon. It is like Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to catch them all. <laughs> Zach, thank you again for coming and joining us on this very special episode that we've both been looking forward to for sure. I, I guess I should say probably all three of us. Really? Um, yeah. I, I like. I, and, I said uh, offline. I said I don't really do a whole lot guest spots on shows so i always make time for for you guys for sure uh, and appreciate uh, it the, the favor will be returned we'll have you on territory the, marks to talk yes. about an upcoming episode yeah. we always co- we cover the uh, you know territory wrestling from the 80s so that's awesome well i can't wait and i'll do some research because <laughs> well, we'll that way the actually, ahead of time guys there you go there you go that way i can be prepared i hate not being prepared for things <laughs> Zach, thank you again. Everybody, please check out Territory Marks with Zach and his co-host, Paul London, who is on location at this moment and regrets that he can't be here. And also check out Zach and our buddy Dustin on $2 late fee. And so I noticed that you also had, y'all did the uh, Transformers, the movie, like the animated movie. Yep, we are. We co- so, we had Vince DiCola, the guy who did the yeah. music for Transformers the movie on. Mm-hmm. We're gonna cover Transformers the movie in season five. We're actually uh, season five starts in February. We're covering uh, Weird Science first, and then we're gonna be doing that. But yeah, so uh, we will definitely cover Transformers the movie proper in yeah. in, the, in this year. So the funny thing is, we had just like I had just put it on on our TV downstairs one morning. I guess I think it was actually last Sunday, to be honest. And I had it on and the kids were watching. The kids came down because I had I'd started it. And they're like, what are you watching? And it goes, Transformers. I said, it's more than meets the eye. Come on. It's the, the movie. And so, you know, York actually stayed down here and started watching it with me. And then I go, okay, so let me tell you what's going on. I said, I need you to understand how depressing this movie is from the <laughs> jump. Freaking spoiler alert. Optimus Prime dies. The ma- I said this is before the internet, so they couldn't spoil it. So you did not know this because he's on the poster. Shocked, I cried when I watched this. I remember it, me it, too. They, and I was like, they, oh. yeah. They pulled a they pulled a they pulled a psycho on us. <laughs> yeah, then we get the live action and they killed him there. I'm like yeah. again, right? Really? It's like didn't we suffer enough already? But no, it. And I, I enjoy watching. So I'm re. Who is it? Uh, trying to think of who's. I think it's Kirkman's. Uh, Robert Kirkman's. I might be wrong on who it is. Creator-owned comic book line. Rewatched Transformers. So there's now oh, really? four issues out. And the best part is that they are. They it's Transformers and GI Joe. So in issue two of Transformers, you're introduced to Duke, 
Oh, cool. Because Duke, Duke gets shot Duke gets shot out of he's basically getting like an escort. He's just riding he's basically goose in this air in this in the in sky striker uh, 14. Yeah. And and they see Starscream and then Starscream, you know, an airplane, you know, transforms into robot form, sees the airplane, and you see him knock out two other airplanes and then Duke's able to eject, but the other pilot's not. Actually, no, okay. he ejects, and then Starscream basically does this, and Duke watches it. So it then, yeah, so Duke survives, but the pilot does not. Oh. And so this then starts. Duke's then has now has his own comic book line. That's just a Duke story. Yeah, line. I've seen that. Yep. And that, and it's basically Duke is treated as if he's like some conspiracy theory person about uh, transformers because the government's not going to acknowledge the existence of them yeah so he's like i'm going to expose this and so now it's gi joe's and basically hawk and them are going after duke so i'm very cool that's only the first that's issue one all right so i'm, I'm very it. yeah and so i'm like okay i'm in i'm i'm all about this so then i found that tubi has gi joe i think one it doesn't have all the seasons but it has most of them so i've been going back and i'm like i don't remember this being as ridiculous as this kind of is like some of the storylines and it's like a this is kind of silly i mean i would still love the show but i think i said i don't remember the ridiculousness of this but i've also is, gone back it also has transformers too so i've been going back and rewatching those as oh, yeah, well they're both i mean in my opinion they're both gold so yeah there's a great oh, episode yeah. of gi joe called the world without end it's a two-parter mm-hmm. highly recommend that i don't want to spoil it for you it's just very dark yeah very yeah. dark yeah because i watched that because growing up it was because we had to get up early because my mom was a teacher and her and my brother went to one school i went to a different one and so we had to get up early so i would watch robotech robotech at six cool gi joe at six thirty, and if Sometimes we're able to watch Transformers at seven because we didn't, that's we weren't amazing. able to record anything, but that's, I remember that that was the lineup. The kids these days will never know. Great. Oh my God. If you missed it, you missed it. Right. Had to catch it later on, hopefully in a rerun. So, but again, Zach, thank you again for joining us and have you on again soon. It's my pleasure. Thanks yes. guys for having me on. Really, and really everybody, awesome. Everybody, please check out Territory Marks, especially this month, where their emphasis has been on the Von Erics and especially the Iron Claw. And check out their interviews with the writer-director, Sean Durkin, as well as their interview with David Manning, which is also some wild stories in that interview as well. So Yeah, it was, that was a great interview. It, it, Thank that you. was wild. That was wild. And we will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at Parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.